Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to just read one verse there. <clears throat> We're going to go back to chapter 1. We're we're actually following up on what we preached this morning. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. We're just going to read the one verse. Get you up and down. Get your exercise. Amen. If you're able to stand. Boy, God's Word good. I tell you what, you begin to dig through the Word of God and how rich it is and how powerful it is and what it speaks to our hearts concerning our day and time. Though the Scripture is... Uh, <coughs> It was written in a different day, a different time. It's so up to date. And I praise the Lord for that. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 says, This also know that in the last days perilous times shall come. Perilous times. I'd like to continue on with the thought that we had. Great truths in a perilous times. And let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening. We thank you. We love you. We praise your holy name for your goodness to us. Lord, there are so many needs, so many things taking place in our day and time that every day there's something new. Lord, it just draws our attention back to the Word of God. And Lord, as we look at the Scripture and as we see, Lord, how that you spelled out what's going to take place in these last days, perilous times, we see it taking place. Now, Lord, strengthen us, use us for thy honor, for thy glory. May you be glorified, may you be magnified. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Amen. We give you a few things that Paul spoke of that is needed in this day and time and for us to look at to give us strength. And he continues on through, this, through these four chapters, four small chapters, but there's a, a wealth of things here for us to understand and to see to help us during these times. We're coming back, as I said tonight, with that same thought of the perilous times, but as we read from... Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 through 7, you see the, the times that we're in. It reads like uh, our news uh, today, uh, the paper, whatever you might look at as for your news. And talks about the difficult times. And if you remember when we talk about perilous times, we're talking about difficult or dangerous times. Times that are, are difficult in our day. And these times are what we're living in right now. These are the times we're living in. Last days that the Lord's speaking of is this day and time which you and I are living right now in. And so we praise the Lord that we can look at the Scripture and get some help from it. Paul's telling us uh, that the last days, the things that we look at, it's days of moral decay that we spoke of this morning, political failure and chaos. Boy, we see a lot of that going on. We see the domestic failure of our homes and our marriages and, and things that are taking place. We see that on an on a everyday basis as uh, marriages are, are split apart and as families become so dysfunctional and, and split apart and so many problems and struggles all around us in the home and in marriages today. But sadly, one of the, the worst of them all that I see that should not be there, definitely should not be there, is the religious failure and apostasy in which we're in. It's a shame. It's a shame. It's a, it's a sad shame that we're living a day and time. The Lord's getting ready to come back, and churches are dysfunctional. And churches are failing. And churches are in moral decay. And churches are getting away from the Word of God and getting away from the things of God and getting away from walking with God. And, 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 and it just amazes me today and how far. And I remember preachers when I was a kid talking about what was going to take place and the, the apostasy of the church. And those were days uh, in the 70s when 
as late 60s and 70s when, when you've seen a lot of revival going, a lot of stirring in hearts and lives and churches were on the grow and, and people were getting saved and you've seen a lot of things of that nature taking place. And since that time, I'm talking about good Bible preaching churches, good Bible preaching preachers are falling by the way, turning away from the Scripture, turning away from the things of God. And we're seeing that in these last days. But the Bible said that that would take place. It said that, that, in the, that uh, they would heap to, the people would heap themselves, uh, teachers having itching ears, that, and just wanting to pat them on the back. Yeah. And the fact is, is that's where we're at today. But Paul's not trying to get you down, and I'm not either. I'm not trying to discourage you tonight or this morning, but to instruct us how to face and handle these perilous times and, and accomplish the will and the work of the Lord while... We have the opportunity to do so. There are so many things that we need to understand. So I want you to go now with me back to chapter 1. We're going to look at some verses in chapter 1 that Paul's writing. With this whole thing in mind when he's talking about the last days. You say, well, that was in chapter 3. Yeah, but he, this was in his mind as he was writing all these and understanding the, the day and time which we live. Look at verse 7. First of all, he doesn't want us to be afraid in these difficult times. Verse 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. The Lord doesn't want you and I to, to, to be afraid. We see all the things happening, taking place. Uh, uh, we, we, talked, we mentioned this morning about the, what's going on in Israel. They've declared war uh, over there in Israel uh, against Hamas over in, 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 Pal in the Palestinian area over there and how that their fighting's going on. It's continuing on right now, this very moment. They're, they're still firing back and forth. There was over, at last count, there's over 600 Israelis that have been killed citizens and soldiers. There's been a multitude of them that's been captured. There's been uh, well over a thousand uh, Israelis that have been injured and hospital hospitalized. And that's not counting those who are on the, uh, across the border into the Palestinian territory over there that's been killed and by, the re by the rebuke from uh, Israel. And by the way, can I say this? Israel has every right to level that place. Say, preacher, that's cruel. No, Israel has every right. It has been that by the restraint over all these years that Israel has not done that. Now, there's, a, there's people there and there's souls there that need to be saved. But what I'm saying is this. So if, you, if you lived in a, in a nation like Israel lives in, and they're constantly shooting rockets over into, into your territory, constantly coming in, uh, sneaking through, and, and building tunnels under the barriers, and, and coming in and, and just killing people with knives and everything else uh, just because they hate you. You'd desire to put an end to some of that stuff and to push things back. Well, the need is in our day and time is people need Jesus Christ. But we see this happening. This is an escalation that's going on that will continue on and until we see even the Ezekiel 38-39 battle as, as the Muslims and Russia come down against, against uh, Israel. This is just a begin, another beginning of that escalation. Um, you, see, uh, you say, well, how's that, going, how's that playing? Well, that, Israel bombed one of their mosques over there, destroyed it today. And that's not going to make the Muslims very happy. And they're wanting to destroy Israel anyways. And then today, uh, 
after, after the services, I picked up my phone and there was a, uh, a, a news bulletin on there that uh, there was another earthquake, a 6.3 uh, magnitude in Afghanistan, and they've already decided that's killed over 2,000 people. And you go back to Matthew chapter 24 and you begin to see about the wars and rumors of wars and, and earthquakes in divers places and you talk about famine and pestilence and on goes the list of things in those last days as, as the Lord's preparing to come back. And, and so we see these things taking place right before our eyes. But he said, don't be afraid of those things. You don't, be, don't be afraid while the world staggers around in fear of what might take place. Don't be afraid. It's easy to sit back and just twiddle your thumbs and worry and twist your hands around and, and, and feel like uh, that, that there's no hope and, and be fearful of what's taking place. When facing the perilous times, we've got to learn to trust the Lord and what His will and ways are. Amen. We need to look at the Scripture. We need to get on our knees before God and say, Lord, whatever you choose, I'm there. Uh, to, uh, I want you to know that, Lord, I, I'm going to serve you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. Knowing whatever comes, He'll be there for us and with us throughout it all. Taking to heart and to mind the scripture that spells out God's actions uh, toward us in these difficult times. In fact, we find over in Hebrews 13, 5, he says, For I, he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Isn't it amazing that during the difficult times when everybody seems they think that they're alone and they're fearful, God says, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you're born again, I'm right there with you. And I'll be with you through it. And I'll strengthen you through it. And I'll watch over you if you'll trust me, if you'll follow me. And Psalms 56.3 says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. I will trust thee. When that fear comes around, you need to get in your heart and mind, Lord, I don't have anybody to trust but you. And, and Lord, I want to trust you and help me through this time. And, and don't be fearful of the day and time. Don't be fearful of what's taking place. But trust the Lord in it all. Trust in the Lord instead of acting Fearful in the face of the perilous times will be an overwhelming witness and testimony of our great God. I've watched it over the years. When people are going through difficult times in their lives and when they put their trust in the Lord and when they're not fearful, when they're saying God has this and I'm going to allow him to do what he wants to do whether I like it or not. And they stand strong and in their trust for the Lord. They're not fearful of what God's going to do. I've seen people's lives change. I've seen people get saved because I've seen things take place because of the witness and the testimony that, that people see in somebody else's life when they're going through the difficult times and the struggles. Don't be fearful. Don't be afraid of the day. I'll be honest with you, it's kind of an exciting day. Knowing that we're on the precipice of the Lord's return. Knowing that at any moment that we could hear the shout that takes us out of, Eddie was telling me this morning, he woke up, what was it, three or four o'clock in the morning, something like that, and he heard this, he thought it might be the trumpet. But it was, I guess, a, a tractor trailer truck or something, he was downshifting or whatever it was, and he could hear that engine or whatever going on, and, and he realized what it was. Well, I'll tell you what, we're waiting for the trumpet to take us out, amen? The shout to take us out. So don't be afraid of the difficult times uh, that's before us. Then he says, Paul says, be not ashamed in these times. <clears throat> don't be ashamed in these times. Look with me in verse 8 and 9. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, 
who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, otherwise what we want to do, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So many professed Christians are ashamed in our day and time to name the name of Jesus Christ. You should not be ashamed. Boy, he's saying, listen, in these last days, in these perilous times, uh, don't be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing how many Christians today that they're almost like uh, undercover Christians. They, the only time that they'll mention Christ is if they know that nobody else is listening and they know that you're a Christian and that you won't tell nobody else. Well, my friend, he said, don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. In this day and time, as things begin to heat up, as it becomes perilous times, there is never a greater time than right now to be a witness, to be a testimony, to not be ashamed, but to be vocal about the Lord Jesus Christ, sharing Jesus Christ with others, lifting up the Lord in praise and honor and glory, wherever you're at, magnifying His name, sharing what Jesus Christ has done in your heart and life, sharing the gospel with other people, uh, uh, being willing to pray with people, even lost people. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. The lost world, even though they're lost, when they're going through difficult times, they want you to pray with them. They want you to pray for them. You say, how do you know, preacher? Because I get calls from them all the time. I see somebody and, and be talking with them. They find out that I'm a preacher or whatever. And they say, would you pray, would you pray for this? Pray for that. And, and what really shocks them is when I stop right then and pray with them right then. Amen. They think that, oh, he'll pray for me when, you know, he does his prayers back at the church or whatever. No, I'm going to pray with him right then. See, why do you do that, preacher? Because I'm just like you. I might forget. And I want them to know that they're important enough to me to spend time in prayer with them right then. I've done it at the checkout counters at Walmart with the cashier. I've done it in the hospital. I've done it in the elevators. I've done it in front of people all around and everything. Just stop and have prayer. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. I remember early on when, when Heather was just a baby. And she, Janine had, uh, was carrying her in a, in a pumpkin seat. And the business that I was in was an electronics repair business. But we also sold TVs and electronics and stuff like that. And the company, one of the companies that I did business with, uh, had us up. They, every year they had their new product and everything. And they wanted you to come up to the open house. And so I went up to the open house because they wanted to sell you all the stuff. So I went up to it because, and then they said, okay, now we're going to take you all out to lunch. And they took us over to the, to the Cardinal Ball Stadium into the, uh, I forget what they call it, the executive's deal up there. And they got all the food and, and uh, all this. You can see out over the ballpark and all this stuff. And just really nice uh, a setting in there and, and, and all that. And, and of course, uh, it's like any other ballpark. It had all of its liquor and all that stuff in there too. And we sat down there and Janine had Heather in, in the pumpkin seat, I believe it was there. And we sat down there and, and uh, we, they brought us our food and others had their beer and stuff, everything around them like that. And, and we held hands, bowed our heads, and, and asked the blessing over the food and around it. And I looked up a little bit, and you seen some others like this. Got their heads bowed. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. I was bearing some cable for some people, my dad and I. And it was in the summertime, it was hot, and this lady was grilling some hot dogs and hamburgers on the back deck. Another guy showed up, he was a neighbor, and, and uh, he, he was a highway patrolman and stuff, good friends of theirs. And, 
And uh, she said, stick around. And, and then she hollered. She said, why don't you just come and eat with us? And, and so we, we did. We stopped and we got up there. And, and she said, what you want to drink? And he said, I'll, I'll have this beer and I'll have that. And she got her one and all that sat down there. She looked at Dad and he said, well, I'll have a Coke. And I said, well, I'll have a, a Coke. And we sat down there and we get, we get ready to eat. And, and uh, before we ate, I looked at her and I said, I always pray before I eat. She said, I said, could I ask the blessing? She said, that would be great. Nobody's prayed here in years. So you always throw in the plan of salvation when you're praying. Amen? And so we pray. You know what I found out a long time ago? Don't be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of what Jesus Christ stands for and what he's done at Calvary for you and me. Don't be ashamed of the name of Christ because he saved your soul. And oh, how we need to be a witness wherever we go and invite people to church and invite them to the word of God and invite them to Christ himself. We find so many times that people become ashamed. You see, people are looking for answers. They're looking for help. They're looking for peace, and the Lord is the answer for them. You see, it's not going to be popular. It's not always going to be popular to take a stand. It's not always going to be popular, and people going to mock, and people going to laugh, and even belittle you at times for your faith. But don't back down. <clears throat> uh, keep on, keep on doing what's right. In Mark chapter eight, verse thirty-eight says, "Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me." And of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, that's the generation we're living in, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when, the, when he cometh in the, in his, in the glory of the, his Father and the holy angels. You see, we're in, an, in need of light in this dark world, in these dark times. We're in need of light. It's not time to turn the lights off, folks. It's time to turn them on. It's time to be that witness. It's time to, to stand up uh, and be a light. Uh, if, if we're ashamed to speak up, hey, listen, the Lord will be ashamed of us. So we need to stand up for the Lord in times like these. Notice what he has done for us in verse 9 there. For, he, uh, for who, ha, uh, who hath saved us. That's enough right there. That's enough right there to proclaim his name. That's enough right there to, to never be ashamed of him. For, for uh, who have saved us, and notice what he says, and called us with an holy calling. He has a plan for your life. He wants to do something great with your life. Not according to our works, what we might think, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. He had a plan before you was even ever a thought. Amen. Think about that. Before the world was even created, he knew there was going to be a white. Before the world was ever, <clears throat> ever come into existence, he knew there'd be a Blake. And he had a plan for your life. I think that's a, quite a God that we have. Amen. And one that we shouldn't be ashamed of. Then Paul also said, don't be ashamed of him. Don't be ashamed of Paul. Notice what he says there. Verse 8 says, Be not thou ashamed, uh, therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. What he's saying, and he calls himself a prisoner, he's saying, it's not that he's a prisoner that he's held, that he can't do what he wants to do, but he has surrendered his life unto the Lord. And he says, I'm living for God. 
I'm constrained. I've put myself in this place where whatever the Lord wants me to do, that's what I'm going to do. However the Lord wants me to live, that's how I'm going to live. Whatever the Lord wants me to say, I'm going to say. Whatever the Lord does with my life, it's up to Him. He said, I'm a prisoner. I've surrendered it all to Him. I'm His prisoner. Because in prison, you do what they tell you to do. And He has yielded Himself unto the Lord. He said, don't be ashamed of me when I live for God. But here's what's sad. There's a lot of Christians in our day and time that I'm ashamed to say that they're a Christian. I'm ashamed sometimes to be identified with certain people that say that they're Christians. Why, preacher? Because they're living like the ungodly world. And I don't want the world to think that that's, what, that that's okay with God. Paul said, listen, I'm living for God. Don't be ashamed of me. Hey, listen, that's a good thing. We ought to live our lives. Listen to me. We ought to live our lives so that other Christians who are living for God are not ashamed of us. Amen. Not ashamed of us. I've been around so many people that <clears throat> be talking to them. And, and I'll be honest with you. You know, <clears throat> we all are name droppers, aren't we? We're all name droppers. We all drop somebody's name at certain times. Well, you know, you get pulled over by a highway patrol. Well, you know, how you doing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, do you know Alan Hessman? That was my brother-in-law. He was a highway patrol. Do you know Alan Hessman? He's my brother-in-law. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hoping that they won't give you a ticket. <laughs> We're name droppers. But sometimes I don't want to drop somebody's name that... I've, I've talked to people before and, and we'd be talking about this or that and about the Lord and everything and they'll say, do you know such and such? They say they're a Christian. And I thought, oh. And then they go on about how they're living their lives and how they talk and, and all the things that they do. And I really am ashamed to admit that I know them as a Christian. You say, preacher, that shouldn't be that way. No, it shouldn't. It really shouldn't. Live your life in such a way that other Christians who are living for God are not ashamed of you. Amen. Are not ashamed to identify with you. Are not ashamed to say, yes, that's my brother or that's my sister in Christ. And man, I love them. And I, they love the Lord. Man, live in such a way. It's sad. The day which we live when you're ashamed to <clears throat> be named with some of the saints of God because they have such a poor testimony. Don't be ashamed. Then Paul says we're to be persuaded that he's able. I, I use this verse this morning talking about salvation, but look at verse 12, the latter part of it. He said, For I know whom I have believed... And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You see, I've talked to far too many Christians who don't seem to be convinced. Who don't seem to be persuaded that the Lord's able and will take care of them. And Paul says, you need to be persuaded. Persuaded about what, preacher? Persuaded that God is 
is able. In this day and time in which we live in, we need to be persuaded that our God is a great God. Amen. We need to be persuaded in this day and time that our God is a mighty God. We need to be persuaded in this day and time that our God can save and will save those who come to Him. We need to be persuaded in this day and time that we have a God that is able to take care of any need in our lives and to watch over us, protect us, and do what He says He would do. We need to be persuaded in this day and time and perilous times that I may go through the fire, but when I go through the fire, the Lord said He would never leave me and forsake me, and He'll be with me through that fire and carry me through. So many Christians are like this. I just don't know. I, I don't know what God's going to do. Don't worry about that. Hey, listen, be persuaded of who God is. Be persuaded of His Word. Be persuaded of His, of, his, of his presence. Be persuaded of His protection and all that He can do in your life. So many times we worry. Worry about this. Worry about that. It's because you're not persuaded of who God is and that He's able Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 says, Be careful for nothing. And when he's talking, if you look that word up, it means to be, don't be anxious. You say, well, I don't understand what anxious is. That means don't worry. Don't worry. Have a peace about it. He says, be, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, letting your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice what he says here. But in everything by prayer. Hey, listen, if you're not persuaded, you're probably not going to pray. And if you do, it's going to probably be a little shallow prayer. And then, well, Lord, probably won't take care of this anyway. But I'm told, preacher said pray, so I'm going to pray. Be persuaded that God hears your, hears your prayer. Be persuaded that God cares about what you have to pray about. Be persuaded that our God is able to take care of what the need is in your life. Be persuaded. He said, but in everything, prayer and supplication. And notice what he says here. And this goes together. When you're praying, he says, with what? Thanksgiving. You're already thanking him for what you just got done praying for that hasn't happened yet. That means you're persuaded that he's going to take care of it his way. Amen. Too many times, you know what we do? We pray about something, but we don't thank him yet until we see it happen. You know what the problem is? You're not persuaded. He said to pray with thanksgiving, otherwise praying, giving thanks already that God's going to do what He wants to do, that He's going to answer prayer. That may not be the way you want it answered, but you ought to be persuaded that He's going to do what's right, that He's going to take care of you, that He's going to do what's needed in your life. And sometimes what's needed in your life and my life is difficulties. Sometimes what's needed in our lives is not what we really want to go through. Sometimes what we need in our lives is, is some struggles in order to get us where we need to be spiritually. So he says, uh, and, and then we, after he says, he says, let your request be made known unto God. And he, but he, verse 7 he says, and the peace of God. Isn't it amazing when you're persuaded that God's able to handle it? There's just a peace comes in. Just a, just a reliance on the Lord. Just a peace settles into your heart and life. That, man, that's pretty good. And, and God's going to take care of this thing. And, and whew, glad that's off my, my bucket list. God's going to take care of it. 
there's a peace that settles in into our lives. It says, which passes all understanding. Otherwise, people say, well, the prayer hasn't been answered yet. I don't understand that. I know. Because you're not persuaded that God's able to handle it. He's able. Be persuaded. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, he says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. We need to be persuaded of how great and how mighty our God is and how loving he is. And when we're persuaded of his greatness, then, we, then and only then will we commit all things to him and be committed ourselves to him as we should in these perilous times. If you're not persuaded, you're not going to commit. Let me say it again. If you're not persuaded God in God's plan, if you're not persuaded in God's will, if you're not persuaded in God's word, if you're not in, in, persuaded in God's ability and his power, you're not going to commit to God. You're not going to commit to live for him like you ought to. And so we need to be persuaded in order that we might commit our lives to live for him in a greater way. In a greater way. And then we're to hold fast in these trying times. You know, you look at a lot of Christians today, they're all over the board. They're here, they're there, they're up, they're down, they're in, they're out. They're everywhere. As the times change, so does many of the Christians. We're to hold fast. Look with me in verse 13. It says, hold fast the form of sound words, otherwise the word of God, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Hold fast. Take a stand on the Word of God. Take a stand. If the Bible, you say, well, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. No, 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 no. If the Bible says it, that settles it. Whether you believe it or not. And we're to stand fast on that. We're to take a stand for the Lord on the Word of God and the things of God. You say, well, preacher, I don't quite understand. Don't have to understand it. If the Bible says it, stand on it. Amen. Stand on it. Well, preacher, I, you know, that's going to be so hard to do. I don't care. Stand on it. Do what God said to do. Stand with it and stand and stand. I like what old Dr. Bob Jones Sr. Preached a message, do right till the stars fall. And I just thought, I don't remember part of it. Brother Alder, you may have heard all of it. Old Dr. Bob Jones Sr., he, he had a rough voice. He said, do right, do right, do right till the stars fall. You know what he's saying? Stand. Do what's right. Live for God. Don't go with the world. Don't do what the world's doing. Don't act like the world. Don't talk like the world. Don't, don't be a part of that. He says, stand, do right what the, what the Bible tells us. Don't try to change it. Too many Christians are trying to change the Word of God. Don't try to get around it. Don't try to explain it away. Hold fast to it. Uh, it's amazing to me. I don't know everything in that book, but I know enough that sometimes I'm talking to people and they start trying to say, well, you know, the Bible says this and that. You know, and I'm looking at them and think, nah. You don't say that. Well, you know, you know what the Bible says? It says such and such. And I said, I thought, not even close. Not in there. Nada. 
But my friend, I'll tell you what we ought to do when we find the Word of God and we put it in our hearts and lives and we put it in before us, we ought to stand on it. Amen. And not give way to the ways of the world. Not give ways to, to how the world is changing. Not try to explain it away, but stand for the, what's right. We're to be unmovable for the Lord and His Word. Not tossed to and fro with the, the whims and the ways of the world. Too many Christians are... And, and, and if I make you mad, good. <clears throat> the Saddleback Church, Rick Warren and all that bunch, <laughs> shouldn't say, listen to me, just listen to me. When you go out and take a survey of seeing how, what everybody likes, and then you change your services to meet what everybody likes on your survey, stop and think about that for a minute. You gave that survey to a lost world. And you're going to change your services and what the Bible says to fit what the lost world wants in, your, in the services? No. We're not to give in to the whims. We're not to give in to the ways of this world. We're to stand on the Word of God and what it teaches us and guides us with. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He said, when you stand on the Word of God, when you become unmovable, he said, it's not in vain, because people are watching People aren't looking for something that's floating with the, with the tide. They're not looking with, for something that's blowing in the wind. They're looking for some stability in perilous times. They're looking for something that, that is solid. They're looking for something that, that will stand the test of times and the storms that come around us. They're not looking for all that other stuff. They need, we need to stand for the Lord. Far too many Christians are moving to the left to fit in with the world. But all that does is send more people to a devil's lake of fire one day. And lastly, in closing, he said all this, and I'm going to move back to verse 6. He said, get stirred up for the Lord in these dark days. Get stirred up. Get stirred up. Verse 6 says, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. He wasn't talking about emotions he wasn't talking about feelings. He wasn't talking about all this other stuff. He's talking about, look, I said, stir up what? The gift of God. Living for the Lord. Get your heart on fire for God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. You see, the Lord's not dead, nor is his word. It's alive. Amen. And we need to be alive. Why do we allow deadness in our lives or in the church when, when, it, when it comes to living for the Lord and, and praising Him and worshiping Him and being a witness for Him and, and taking the gospel to people? Why are we dead in those areas? He said, stir up the gift of God that's in you. He said, live for God. Boy, get on fire. So many times we sit in the pews and there's deadness, there's coldness. In our hearts and lives, we sit in the pews and our mind is, is about 100 miles away about what we're going to do tomorrow or next week or what we're going to have to eat when I get home or, or, or what about the Chiefs game? Are they winning or are they losing? Who cares? Let's, man, let's, let's focus on God. Amen. He said, stir up the gift of God that's in you. He said, stir it up. 
Boy, what would happen if God's people would get stirred up for him? Amen. Well, preacher, you know, you know, they time will live, you just can't do it. Yeah. Hey, listen, the, the disciples, as, as they preached on, on the day of Pentecost, and, and 3,000 were saved, and, and man, there was a stirring, there was a moving, and there was people who, who tried to say they were drunk, and there was people saying all kinds of things like that about them, but man, they was living for God, they were stirred up, and, and, and even the disciples and, and different ones, they took note of them, they said, these are the ones that, that have turned the world upside down. No, they was turning it right side up. But boy, I tell you what, it ought to stir. It ought to stir our hearts. I don't know about you, but boy, I tell you what, I went home with a great blessing this morning. Not about my preaching, but about another soul receiving Christ as their Savior and on their way to heaven and, and, and seeing God move in, in in a person's heart. That ought to stir our hearts. There ought to be a moving. There ought to be a stirring. Boy, I'll tell you what, there ought to be a I'll be an amen come out of us once in a while. Some of you, boy, I'll tell you what, I don't know if somebody super glued your teeth or what. <laughs> but we get on your subject, you can talk. But man, what about praising God once in a while? What about saying an amen once in a while? Hey, listen, the Lord's not dead, He's alive. Amen. Why should it just be the ladies? Just thought I'd throw that out there. Well, they're saved. Aren't you saved? Same book. Same Word of God. Amen. Oh, how we ought to lift up the Lord. Christians need to get their fire back for the Lord and the things of God. We need to once again get stirred to reach the lost. We need to get stirred again to magnify the Lord. We need to get stirred again in these last days, in these perilous times, for the Lord in a greater way than we ever had before. We need to get stirred in these perilous times, in these last days, to have revival in our church. You see, the last days and perilous times are not a time to sit down and quit. It's a time to stand up. It's a time to get stirred up. It's a time to live for God. Amen. That's what Paul was saying about the last days. That's what he was saying about the perilous times. He wasn't, saying, don't, he wasn't saying be afraid. He wasn't saying be ashamed. He wasn't saying, saying uh, uh, live a dead Christian life. No, he says, man, live for me. He said, this is a great time. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. This is a great time to be a Christian. Amen. This is a great time to live for the Lord. Amen. I mean a great time. He said, well, preacher, it's always been a great time. Yeah, but it's better now. Why? Because people don't expect you to live for God. Live for Him. Let's bow. Father, we thank You. We love You. Help us to serve You. Help us to magnify You. Help us to glorify You. Help us to put You first. Thank you, Lord, for your mercies. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for how that You lay it out before us in these perilous times, how we're to live and how we're to serve You. Lord, I pray now that you'd be glorified in, the pre in, in all that we've done tonight, Lord, that not me, but you and the Word of God, Lord. Lord, I, I'm such a poor preacher, Lord, but your Word is rich and it's good. And Lord, there's enough there from the Scripture that we read to, to give everybody an understanding of what you want in our hearts and lives. 
have your own way. It's an invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me with your head?